right, just gonna start going. Just gonna start going. Yep, yeah. You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. That's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Dark Territory. Bordering in Wonderlands, the Twilight Zone review. How do you do? I am Fitzgerald Fortune. The theater critic. So what? Isn't rudeness something of a handicap in your line of work? What's that to you? When I saw the name Treasures Unlimited, I stepped through that door, fully expecting to encounter some sentimental old biddy in an ostrich-plumed hat and a moth-eaten feather boa. Instead, to my sincere delight, I seem to have discovered a misanthrope. What's that? A man who despises peoples. I got work to do, mister. What are you looking for? I am looking for a present for my wife's birthday. Wrong place, wrong place. Junk shop. Exactly. You see, my wife has the absurd notion that she would like to learn to play the piano. Unfortunately, she hasn't a trace of talent. So do you happen to have one of those old pianos that plays itself? Got one. Don't know if it works or not. It's old. Splendid. Please. You're taking a lot of my time, mister. You're taking an equal amount of mine. personal magnetism to attract a wife so young. I am. Utterly romantic. Youth and wisdom, hand in hand. How I'd love to see the two of you together. What, what a picture you must make. And for her birthday, you're giving her the gift of music. Oh, how touching. What is the price of the piano? You are taking your young bride out somewhere tonight, hmm? Some quiet nook where you can be lost together in the midst of the great world, looking into each other's eyes. How much for the piano? It's worth 250. Since it's for a birthday present, I'll let you have it for 200. I shall expect delivery before 6 o'clock this evening. The address is right here on my check. Certainly. I shouldn't like to have the little lady disappointed on her birthday. Has it occurred to you that you're extraordinarily susceptible to the power of music? Isn't everybody? Well, to some degree, yes. You going to stand around all day taking my good time? No, I was uh, just going. Oh, there's the door. Tell me, are you sentimental about anything else besides birthdays? Birthdays? They're a stupid waste of time and money. Mr. Fitzgerald Fortune, theater critic and cynic at large, on his way to a birthday party. If he knew what is in store for him, he probably wouldn't go. Because before this evening is over, that cranky old piano is going to play those piano roll blues, 
with some effects that could happen only in the Twilight Zone. Hello, citizens. Welcome to LAW Twilight Zone Review, episode 96. I'm Phoenix West. I am Frank Clementine Links. Squeeze, squeeze. All right. So from now on, when we do the two and ones from season one, we'll do season one first. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I just had to rearrange all my stuff. This, I was like, I even texted you. Did you get the text? No, I did not. What's the text say? Yeah. yeah. Oh. What's the text? Say? <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I thought I, I I keep forgetting not to start on season one when we, when we do this. So yeah. sorry about that. No, it's good. It's. Uh, I was like. Halfway through that clip, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to start like rearranging all my notes and my numbers and everything. We're good. We're back. Uh, piano, A Piano in the House, episode 322 of The Twilight Zone. We have our mixer back. Uh, we sound better. We sound uh, strong. Both mixers, actually. We got one mixer up in meow and over meow. Yeah. Over <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're back. And uh, we apologize. We only did four episodes of this show with the with the bad sound quality. So I think that's about what I promised, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, why don't you go ahead and tell the fine folks what was wrong with your mixer? I don't know. <laughs> if, if I knew, I'd, I'd definitely go into that. But I switched out the just, cables and just, just kind of fucked itself, with it. Huh? Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I didn't have to replace anything, but I was fucking with it. I kind of basically some buttons. I think that's all it was. Uh, and the old setup in the other room, I had the, the computer, which is like 40 degrees hotter than this room. So I moved it back into the bedroom. It's uh, the mixer, and somehow the buttons got pushed where it was like just fucked it up and yep. just kind of yep. fiddled with them. It's buttons I've never used or seen before because this thing has 1,000 buttons on it. <laughs> I'm willing to bet there's a hundred hundred knobs and buttons on this thing. Yeah, mine's a lot more simpler, I think. Yeah. But I'm I'm a very simple minded person, so that's good for me. So yeah, we're back uh reviewing this episode here about a piano uh and a penis. An automatic penis. And no, but... <laughs> a what? Nothing. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the, the fucking clip he displayed. Uh, our guy's name is Fitzgerald Fortune, and guess what? He's rich. Another spot-on name by Rod Serling, because he wrote this one, right? I'm guessing. If no, Rod this is Serling Earl. wrote you a... No, actually, this is Earl Hamner Jr. You're right. I have one for the Angels pulled up in front of me. I'm sorry. because of... it's, it's my fault, my fault, my fault. That's the one. one uh, no, this is an Earl Hamner Jr. season three classic. Yes, yes. I have to reset myself. Anyway, right now. <laughs> would you like? Would you care to hear what uh, old keep, our good friend? Keep it short. Mark Zach Zickery thought about this hunk of garbage. Well, actually, uh, when was it debuted, Phoenix? I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't have it up. Remember? Shit. Um. So, do you want me to just play... February 16th, um, 1962. I, I, huh? February 16th, 1962. Just got there. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I screwed everything up again. And this is like the third time we've run through this. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as I started playing it, I went, oh, God darn it. The heck. Shoot. 
It's all right. Uh, just keep it short there on his side. Are you still looking it up? It was short. Trust me. Okay. Um, yeah. No, it's a two yep. a sixty-seven. It's right here. Uh, I got a bookmark. There we go. Okay. Um, two sixty-seven. Oh, right. I'm sorry. That's right. Guess what becomes after two sixty-seven? Two sixty-eight. Yep. Generally, yes. In, in the That's, same books. So I was so lost. Alrighty, here we go. The guy with the horrible, horrible mustache. All right, like I said, Earl Hamner Jr. directed this piece of shit. <laughs> um, all right, so basically Earl Hamner Jr. Um, let's see he wrote here. Exact. Zickery's uh, comment is not that long. Oh, good guy, so, get to it. I'm sorry, I'm a shitty reader. I'm sorry. You're, you're not reading right now. You're trying to find a page in a book. <laughs> There's no reading involved. I'm sorry. What is happening right now? Okay, this is what he said. <laughs> How much could there be? And I quiz out. From the book, Earl book of Ham- Snoop Dogg. Earl, Earl, <laughs> Earl Hamner Jr.'s A Piano in the House unfortunately suffers from <clears throat> excuse me, supernatural characterization. The main character is a sadistic theater critic, Barry Morris, with the unlikely name of Fitzgerald Fortune, which we just said, <laughs> yeah. he buys a magic player piano that has the ability to reveal people's inner selves very viciously. Oh I didn't realize his name was Fitzgerald Fortune until the very last line of the episode where the butler comes in and goes, I'm sorry, Mr. Fortune. I don't think you're very funny at all. Something like that. I, didn't, I was like, his name's fucking Fortune? Like, I must have missed it in Rod's intro. I got it right away. I was like, wow, what a terrible name, Rod. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I used it to humiliate his wife uh, and various of her friends. In the end, of course, the piano is turned against Fortune himself, and we see that he is nothing more than an ill-tempered child. The episode boasts competent performances by John or Joanne Hackett as Fortune wife. I thought she did pretty good. And... Um, She's on my uh, Mount Rushmore of Twilight Zone Hot. Oh, definitely, dude. She's so silky smooth. Even though sexy. she looks like Sarah Paulson, which is, isn't a bad thing. but If I knew who she was, I'd agree with you. She's from American Horror Story. Never seen it. Okay, um, okay so, and then, uh, and his butler. Plus an exceptional performance by Marl Landers as a fat woman with a fragile Muriel. Her name's Muriel. Again, the problem was the writer <laughs> dealing with characters not at all connected with reality. Again, says Earl Hamner. I'd never known a critic, but it was my idea of what a critic was like. How have you he's never married a critic? How has he never met a critic being a writer? Who said this? Well, Earl Hamner freaking Jr. Well, now. He, he must Maybe ignore him. Because cause... it was his second, you know, screenplay, so they really haven't gone after him yet. But uh, this is funny that he said that before his future, and uh, it's sad to find out how the critics really got to know him very well. Well, that's what you fucking get. Good God. Every episode he has... I don't, I don't hate this episode right off the bat. Um, it's okay. It's a stupid premise. It really is a fucking stupid premise. 
It's, it's batshit. It's a stupid plot with a stupid episode, and it's. But I love his the main character so much. I love the actor that that plays him and his voice. Oh, his voice! I thought he killed it. He kills it. it really did. He looks just like uh, F. Mary Abraham, which I brought up before. You didn't recognize who that was, but he looks so much like him. And they didn't. He. He plays a villain that is also like entertaining to watch instead of just like he's the he's the best super rich guy Twilight Zone character. You know how they're always like stuffy and stuff, but this guy's like he's bombastic and he's like he's he's like kind of having fun with them. And the other guys are just like I'm rich and therefore fuck you. That's as far as I go with it. He is bombastic, very fantastic. <laughs> and we lost Frank to the Jamaicans. <laughs> so anyway, uh I got this uh this one right here. We have not even touched the episode yet. I know. Uh so go ahead. So basically it starts <laughs> off, right? What clip and are you gonna play? I was gonna play the smiling um butler. Okay, we'll we'll get there. Uh, just okay. so I know where to go to. Okay. Yeah, it's the it's the most cluttered pawn shop in the world where he goes, and the the fucking guy is is such a sack of shit that store owner. I'm like, why do you own a shop if you hate selling things? Like, customer service is not a factor for this guy. Yeah, he's just a dick. Didn't this uh, shop kind of remind you of the the apartment slash uh, dump that the, the old lady lived in from Nothing from the Dark? Nothing in the Dark. It was a cross between that and the one where. Uh, he, he met of genie that gave him four wishes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a nice mix right in the middle of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the the guy is such an asshole, and he's like, you as we heard in that clip, he's like, can you show me a piano? My wife can't play for shit, but I'm going to get her a piano because I'm such a great guy. And then he's an like, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's an asshole off, really. You get two characters that suck. And it's weird because your villain is upstaged by a shop owner who's actually more villainous. He's <laughs> like... Eh, I guess I'll fucking show it to you. So yeah, it's it's like God forbid you make a sale. What a piece of shit you can be. It's like he doesn't own a loan. It's like his son's store, and he has to work there in his retirement years. <laughs> like his golden years are being wasted away in the shop. And he's like, "Fuck it, I don't care. Fuck it." There, there's a guy in JB Tropical Fish down the street where he's been old my whole life, and it just <laughs> seems like he got stuck there. And I don't think he wants to be there at all. I feel bad for him. It's a very sad local tale. <laughs> yeah, his entire life is dedicated to cleaning fish tanks so the, so they could sell their sharks at 99 cents a pop. That is sad. Yeah, sad existence. It's a sad existence to own tropical fish and sell them. So much slurring. Um, the what? Sad existence. Oh, I'm a bit tired. I am sorry. <laughs> Plus, full disclosure, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast where I can hear myself talk, and I think it's kind of screwing with my speech a bit, because I'm used to not hearing myself talk. He can't normally hear how much he slurs and, and, and stumbles. Seriously? You think so? <laughs> every once in a while. Every, every once in a while. Well, then every once in a while, like, you are three hours behind. Yeah, be, yeah. Whatever, so right now it's what it is. Almost three o'clock, and it's only one. It's it's only midnight there, so so we can blame yeah. time zones on this one. Yeah, we, we I need cannot to wait till daylight savings time because Arizona did what we should have done a while ago, and I hope we could do it like while we're only two hours away. <laughs> that 
That would be great. Yeah, I hate this time of year. It fucking sucks. Anyway. Yeah, but when it's two hours away, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It doesn't hurt that much. So the he starts playing the piano. The song has that little sheet music, and it plays on its own. And then it turns the, the shop owner, who's like a curmudgeonly old man, into like a really sexual, creepy man. So he's like... You're buying this for your wife, huh? It's her, it's her birthday. That's great. That's great. How old is she? He's like 26. She's like, and he literally says, 26 years old. Oh, I'd love to see the two of you together. Like, I know. Ugh. I mean, I, I mean, I, you're obviously going to finger bang her tonight, right? Yeah. You know, you're going to finger blast that shit, right? I'd love to see that. <laughs> Can you invite me over to her birthday party? That'd be great. You're going to finally make her sport tonight, right? <laughs> That's like a creepy, like, uh, Judd Apatow like riffing in like an, uh, one of the uh, just that wouldn't make the movie just so weird weird thing to say I'd love to see the two of you together why, why would anybody say that <laughs> so creepy well he was in the moment because he was in he, he noticed that they were in love he got all and, horny and he doesn't know what love is so he wants to see love until yeah. the music stops anyway, and then he becomes a raging, just batshit nuts fucker. And, and I have a problem with that, too, because as we heard in that clip, uh, our, our Mr. Fortune is like, are you only sentimental about birthdays? And he's like, fuck birthdays, fuck you, get the fuck out of here. I'll deliver, get the birthdays. fuck out. <sighs> Why is he the only one in the mo- in the episode that when he gets uh, under the hypnotic spell of this piano that forgets what he said when he's under the hypnotic spell? Everyone else remembers. I think certain songs have an effect on certain people. They do, but the memory thing is is a pretty through line. Everyone else remembers what they said and how they acted. This guy forgets it all immediately. He's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Hey, birthdays." Maybe it pisses off even more. Act. He went in like super rage mode. Exactly. It's possible. He he was a Nord raid or cage, and then he went into. You know, rage cage pretty pretty quickly. Oh yeah, activated. Turn yeah. it up to eleven. I'd be mad too if I had to sell like he sells like the most. Every face he has in there he sells a bunch of masks, and they're all like super racist Asian looking faces. <laughs> nice. <laughs> weird, weird store, cluttered as fuck. Tell me about it. Yeah, and then uh, Mr. Fortune goes home. When he arrives, I don't know where the fuck he was all day because he gets back home and it's been hours later. And the piano's there. And then this is where we, we see Marvin. And apparently Marvin's face is just wrong. And he wants to fire him about it. <laughs> like, it's Mr. Smithers from A Penny for Your Thoughts. Yeah. I love that guy's face. It is a fucking, like, Grand Canyon. It's it's amazing. It's Brian Cranston's face where it's just, like, got these deep divots that go across, like, <clears throat> like a map. It's weird. I, I mean, I'm not treating it silly, but that man had to not have made it too much further past this episode. I, c- I can't imagine. I can look it up right now, actually. The, yeah, the fat I mean, lady didn't. I, I thought the same <laughs> thing when he did, uh, you know, A Penny for Your Thoughts season two. He made it almost as long as the fat lady did. He died in 75. She died in 77. He died in what? He died 15 years later? Yeah. As age 88. And then the and and uh, you know the elephant made it how long? She was fifty five years old. Yep, heart failure. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I have so much to say about her, but do we want to hear the Marvin intro? 
Uh, yeah, this is this Ford. is absolutely batshit insane. The way he comes off. Where the hell did my poker pen little go? Yep. Okay, I got a little pen that has a. Yeah. Okay, I'll shut up now. Um, let's see. Yep. Uh, is this him being hypnotized? More of him goes batch. <laughs> oh, you know this is funny right here. Hold on. Just to preface Marvin, I thought it was funny. Evening, sir. You've dusted the piano, I see. Yes. Piano. Came in out ago, sir. Oh, Marvin. Yes, sir. If you're going to wait at the party tonight, do you think you could manage to do something about your face? My face? <laughs> a party is supposed to be a happy occasion. Do you think you could manage to be a little less miserable than usual? I will do my best, sir. I'm going to get that clip of just, can you do something about your face? That's all I thought about. Can you <laughs> yeah. just do something about your face? Can you, like, cover it with a sheet or a veil of some sort? Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to mark that one, cut it down, chop it up, and then put it back on here. Put, you know, because I'm, I'm going to start slowly adding little clips to Frank's, you know, uh, Frank's, soundboard. Frank's Clip Corner. Yep, Frank's Clip Corner. If you need a clip, come to my corner. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see you there. And then, and then and your wife. And this is when he gives the piano to his wife. I remember wife. that you wanted to learn to play the piano. Piano? This piano plays itself. Yes, wasn't that considerate of me? Such a dick. Those tedious lessons and then find out at the end of it all that you really had no musical talent at all. <laughs> what a guy. I see. Did you hear me in the background? Oh, what a guy. And thanks for my birthday present. No emotion of any kind. Let you get down on your knees. Thank you, Joe. This one sounds like a piano. Uh, yes. And then here comes Marvin. Yeah, the, he starts playing this, the next one, and then Marvin comes and starts acting all batshit. He acts like the Joker. He really does. Are you feeling all right, Marvin? I'm very well, thank you, madam. But you're smiling. Am I? You most certainly are. That's probably because I'm happy, sir. What are you happy about? Everything. I make good money, got a nice place to live, my health, money in the bank, I like my job. But you couldn't possibly. I treat you atrociously. Oh, you don't bother me, Mr. Fortune. You tickle me. Sometimes it's all I can do to keep from laughing out loud when you have one of your tantrums. <laughs> I get a great kick of it when you go around flicking the furniture to see if I dusted or checking the silver to see if it's polished. <laughs> oh, he's banging already. Is this still going? I'm sorry if oh. I spoke out of place. Yeah, because oh, on the contrary, right. Marvin. Okay. I'm very glad you did. Yes. Thank you. The piano. Yeah, it was to show you the tra- the transformation from the piano playing to Marvin going. Yeah. You know, happy go luck. You know, happier than happier back, get. Back to and Eeyore. Then, yeah, <laughs> back to Eeyore. <laughs> yeah, basically where his permanent mindset is. Life is misery. Life is pain. <laughs> Am I supposed hey. to feel sorry for the wife that she married a man for money and he's a dick to her? Uh, no. She she made her bed. Yeah, because that's kind of she has a whole speech in a moment where she's. 
he plays a song for her, and she does her whole like, "I feel foolish that I married you. I was so young. I was a child then. She was I've been married six years, so he married her at twenty. He's probably like fifty. <laughs> like, what did she expect? You know, she ain't just a gold digger. Mm. She ain't falling for no broke fortune. <laughs> nah. Anywho's yeah um yeah so I feel bad for Smithers um boy like I I think I even labeled that one um uh hey slave smile <laughs> yeah that's essentially what it is can you do something about your face it's atrocious yeah why are I'm you happy I treat you atrociously I'm I love isolating that pitch <laughs> yeah I love that line. Um, then the birthday party is next, and then Gregory shows up, and he plays a song for Gregory, and Gregory's like, you, know, you, you gave your wife this, she must have been really excited. Oh, man, your, lo- your wife loves surprises. Like, God, I'd, I'd fill your wife with a million little swimming Gregories. Oh, God, she's, she's just the greatest. Like, oh, <laughs> oh man, your wife's holes are, are something. Are they fucking? Are they already fucking, or does it just want to fuck her? Oh, no, dude, they're full out balls deep. Right? That's what it sounds like to me. Well, at first he does Esther, and then he does. Yeah, we already went over that. You you did Esther? Yeah, just, just did it moments ago. Sorry. <laughs> but then he does him, yeah. Uh, I mean, do you want to hear it, like how it sounds and, and you'll get like a better idea? Or I'm I'm sorry he he plays it for Esther later I'm sorry uh, I I I relabeled them these wrong uh, let me see here we go it does indeed plays remarkably well let me show you I have a piece especially for you you hunting what did you say is Esther pleased with it well, she hasn't shown any great enthusiasm. Doesn't sound like Esther. Usually she's so grateful for any small show of affection. I think that's one of her most lovable qualities. The ability to accept a bouquet of daisies as though they were the rarest of orchids. I I remember I once gave her a small ring, a turquoise ring. She accepted it as if it were the Hope Diamond. Oh, I remember when she brought that ring back from Mexico City. And I seem to recall that she went there alone. Yes, yes, she did. We ran into each other down there. She never mentioned it. Wasn't that rather an odd coincidence? Jerry, has it ever occurred to you that I'm very deeply in love with your wife? (laughs) My dear Greg, I always believed that you were about as capable of passion as a head of lettuce. (laughs) Esther's emotional power was that of a newborn kitten. I don't speak of her that way. I'll speak of her any way I please. She's my wife. You don't know Esther at all. Esther is full of love. Her skin is warm and soft like velvet. The scent of her hair is enough to drive a man wild. Her hands are Bit creepy. gentle, sweet to kiss and to hold. Esther is music. No. Honey, Esther is... He calls her honey. Oh, I'm sorry you did that, my dear. I don't know when I've been so highly out of When? Yes. When did I play the piano? Can't explain what happened. It's probably just as well. I never enjoyed deceiving you, Gerald. My dear, you're incapable of deceiving me. I've known for years of your capacity for doing any number of sordid little things. The only revelation that's been made to me has been the specific details of your squalid little affair. She's fucking everybody, isn't oh, she? I guess fucking so, Marvin. Right. Before I welcome them, 
I wish you a happy birthday, my dear, and hope that the next 26 years will be equally rewarding. Jer yeah. Yeah, she's fucking everybody, right? Badass. Not for nothing, but he, he played that like a champ. You're incapable of deceiving me. Yes. You're, you're female. Come on. <laughs> you're simply inferior. When I married you, I realized you were female, so I expected this kind of behavior. <laughs> <laughs> you're fuckery. Oh, my goodness. So then we're introduced to what I can only describe as the drag queen who's wearing a rug with a hole in it as a dress. Um, and then she makes, yes, she yes, makes fat uh, jokes uh, for the next 15 minutes. Yes, it is. Well, let's just dive right into it so we don't, like, really you know, be so mean because, good God, we... The time has come for fun and games. Now, being mostly friends of Esther's, you're probably inclined to such intellectual pursuits as uh, spin the bottle or pin the tail on the donkey. However, tonight, I thought rather or, or than eat the cake. juvenile mentalities, we might perhaps have a rather more adult game. When are we going to cut the cake? I'm hungry. God. Impulsive eaters will find hors d'oeuvre within arm's reach. Pause. Dude, he, he just... He talks shit on her friends so quickly. And they don't react at all. No, because he makes it sound like he said it so intelligently, but he really didn't. And the fat bitch just want cake. Yeah, it, it's all she does is make fat jokes. The, the rest, I don't even want to hear the rest of that clip, by the way. It's just her, because she just starts singing and, and dancing and then, I'm a, I'm a little girl, I'm a little girl. It's, it's fucking bizarre. It's, it's annoying. It kind of hit right here. Hit right here. Because I'm a fat man. She is gigantic, though. I was never that gigantic, by the way. Yeah, she's obese. Like, oh yeah, and they she, like, the capital O. Did did uh, like Oreo? Did Earl Hammer break up with a really fat lady recently? Is that what this was? Because she just like comes in and starts insulting herself and like I'm a fat sack of shit. Aren't I a walking joke, a waddling joke, more like it? Yeah, I can imagine growing up where he did, there wasn't too many great parts in the neighborhood. Maybe. You never know. Frank's saying words right now. What, you, you can't hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> no, uh, what I said is Earl Hamner Jr. could have grown up into a certain, you know, area where, you know, um, now I forget what I, was, what I said. Never mind. Oh, uh, yeah. So she shows up. She's fat. Two couples show up. Look like they're dressed for a funeral. What the fuck's going on there? It's a birthday party. God damn it. Yeah, but to who? I mean. Yeah, but she has like a the like the widow's veil in front of her eyes. <laughs> like weird. It's a goddamn birthday party. She's like, yep, we're all black. Wear a veil in front of my face. Our husbands are in suits. We we look like we're mourning something. Like maybe her youth vanishing into this fucking Mr. Fortune. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I I have here, it was um, like right, right after that, people started getting pretty mad and then they start leaving. Right? Yeah. And then he says something that's hysterical. <laughs> but... I don't know what exactly made them start to leave. 
Because of the piano? Because he plays the piano for Marge. She starts to dance. Everyone laughs at her. And I'm like, her dancing was perfectly acceptable, honestly. She's like spinning around. It was fine. Everyone starts laughing. And then eventually he shuts it off. He's like, Margie, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's fine. It's fine. They spend entirely too much time on Margie. Entirely too much time. And then he plays. He's like, we're going to find out who the devil is. I'm going to play Faust. And he puts that. He gives it to his wife to play. Is that what it was? Yeah. And then she switches it out for some reason to another song. Because I kept pausing it to see which one it was. And I couldn't read upside down. Oh, he said it out loud, so I just wrote down. Well, what's false? Do you know it? It's basically they're looking for the devil in the group there. So that's what Faust essentially would be. So that's the song that they're going to play, and that's going to reveal who the devil in the room is. And he's like a, I don't really know how to describe it. Like a Faust is like a protagonist of like a book. I think it's German. A whole devil thing. I don't know. Right. I know. I don't know much about it. And I, it's about what I know, but he is, he gets tricked because his wife swaps it out for another song, and for some reason that still applies to him because they're all waiting for who's the devil in the room, and all of a sudden he starts being like, <laughs> like pouting, and everyone looks at him, and he's like, I'm a little boy. I'm a, is he, almost the same speech that Margie did. It was a little repetitive. And then mm-hmm. he starts to be like, I, I'm so scared of all of you. I'm just a scared little boy in here. There's a scared little boy. He's chewing the scenery, walking around the room, like hiding, <laughs> literally hiding behind the piano. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, they all start to be like, or Margie goes, let's get out of here, guys. And they all start to walk, up, walk out of the room. And then, uh, yeah. But, I mean, you got to hear how this guy just breaks the fuck down because she does the old shirt. After she does the old switcheroo. <laughs> yeah. Now, how, now how she knew what to play, I still don't get either because I slowed it down to try to read what she picked. I couldn't read it. Yeah, Could I don't know. I don't know why she changed it. I don't. If you're looking for the devil in the room, it seems like that would have been the bit, right? Yeah, right. Or, I mean, it would have easily found him, right? Yeah. I, I thought it would be like, let's play this song and find out who's the fucking pedophile in the room. But no. She should have swapped it out for Faust and then find out who the devil is. It ended up being him. Exactly. And it's... It pre- yeah, yeah, this is it right here. Oh, sorry. I'm in edit mode. My bad. Okay, here we go. Now, this is... There we go. Nope. Faust. So if there really is a devil among us... Oh, yeah, he said Faust right there. Stop him from doing it. 
Did you know that I envied you, Marge? I can't embrace the world as you do. And in my envy, I released that frightened child inside me and I let him hurt you. I tried to hurt you too, Greg. I gave bad reviews to your plays when I should have given praise. I coveted your talent because I had none. And I hurt you in every childish way I could. I uh, think we'd better go. Esther, I've hurt you most of all. You came to me with love. But it frightened me. I don't know how to return love except as a child does, with shrieks and blows and indifference. Good night, Esther. Uh, Esther, will you come with me? Where are you all going? I don't want you to leave. Come back! If you leave me, I'm going to be very naughty. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be very naughty. Yes. I'll be very naughty. Yes, yes. He's right up there with my Bane voice. <laughs> Piano, yes. <laughs> uh, that is bite, sound bite number two coming out of this gem I'm of an be, episode. Yeah, I'm going to be very naughty. <laughs> I'll be very naughty. If you leave, uh, I'm going to be very naughty. What do you think that means? <laughs> I don't know because what more can he do? I'm going to write my shit all over the walls, yes. <laughs> I like that when the music stops, he's still stuck in that mode. I'm going to murder anybody that comes within this house, yes. <laughs> oh, you know, if the boy from It's a Good Life bought this piano, he would have cleared the world out so quickly. Because they would have started being like, I fucking hate you. And he, everyone be in the cornfield immediately. Would you want to go in the cornfield as soon as possible or have to live that? Oh my God! What? <laughs> Would I want to go in the cornfield as soon as possible or live like that? Yeah. Um. I, I go in the cornfield like immediately. Why? Because the uh, shortage of the whiskey. The peach schnapps? No, fuck that kid. That's why. Fuck you, kid. I I just hey. killed a kid, unlike that one guy did. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, at least he showed some balls. Almost. For God's sakes, will somebody please do something? At a certain point, I don't fucking care about that kid. Like, I understand not one his, his parents not wanting to get killed, but they're terrified of him. They still love him. But I would just kill the parents and then the kid. If, if, it, it's, if it's the kid or everyone else on the planet, or this shithole town in Indiana, they don't really make it clear if it's everybody in the world, but fuck it, right? Right. Yeah, it's, someone's got to make a sacrifice. I'll fucking bash all their brains in. I don't care. That's what I'm saying. Fuck them. Get peach schnapps and get drunk and start screaming. Get your Perry yeah. Cuomo record. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Too much time in that episode to order that fucking record. Perry Cuomo. <laughs> well, Frank, um, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Uh, do we have a uh, sponsor? No. Okay, hold on. All right, so outro then. You know, this pen used to work. Don't laugh at me. I'm not laughing, Mr. Fortune. You're not funny anymore. Mr. Fitzgerald Fortune, 
A man who went searching for concealed persons and found himself in the Twilight Zone. Spooky, spooky. He found himself. <laughs> All right, and uh, like I normally do. Uh, yeah. And now, Mr. Serling. And now, Mr. Serling. Hey. A oh. symbol of a sad but rather commonplace event. An impressive funeral the deceased laid out in the most acceptable manner. But in this case, at the last moment, deciding that in matters concerning the trip to the great beyond, perhaps this trip wasn't necessary. You'll see it next week on The Twilight Zone when we present Montgomery Pittman's The Last Rites of Jeff Myrtlebank. Very often when you write for a living, you run across blocks, moments when you can't think of the right thing to say. Oh, God. Now, happily, there are no blocks to get in the way of the full pleasure of Chesterfield. Yep, there it is. Tobaccos make it a wonderful smoke. <laughs> Try them. They satisfy. I like to see how he gets from point A to point B. When I'm writing, I like to sit there and think about weird shit that happens with names that are very obvious. Speaking of very obvious, I'm here to promote cigarettes, because I'm smoking right now on screen. Chesterfields. <laughs> like, Every day, I don't stop writing until I hit four packs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, do you like this episode? Um, yes and no. I mean, the premise is totally batshit, but I liked him as an actor. It's it's a bad episode with a great actor and a great character in it, so it's watchable. Like, Do you know what IMDb gave it? I did a second ago, but I, I changed it off. Let me find out. Um, let's find out. They gave it a... Oh, God, we're so late in the season. 7.7. Uh, 7. A little too high? <laughs> uh, you know what? I would say 7.5. I gave it a 7. Okay, fair enough. You can't get I would say they're five. close, closer than most, but still too high. Yeah. Okay, you know what? After that, that I'll split the difference. Seven point three point five five three 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 three. Great, great. Uh, you know what? Jeff, last rights that Jeff Myrtlebait got though. What? Seven point three. But should have got an eight point three. To serve man is a nine point two. Should have got a ten. One of my favorite Twilight Zone moments is coming up here, uh, episode 27, Person or Persons Unknown, with my favorite jumping out a window scene. <laughs> the one I send to Frank whenever I get a chance, whenever it's on. It's the one where he's having a conversation and then just darts out of a window like a lunatic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I almost forgot what you were talking about, and then that, that description right there. I mean, there's a lot of jumping out the window scenes, but that one takes it, the cake as what? Mm. Oh, it's, it's delicious. Because he's like, well, I think, ah! <laughs> he like stumbles and darts across the room clumsy. <laughs> like, that was delicious. <laughs> and just does like a little somersault roll on the ground and runs away. It's the one where he wakes up and he's not who he thinks he is. It's one of those, who am I? Who are, what's wrong with where everybody? Who are these people? Yeah, ah! One of those. Yeah, I don't remember much from it. I can't wait to look at it, though. Or watch it, I mean. It was, I can't wait to watch it, I mean. It was the episode I watched right before I decided to do this show from the very beginning. I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like, I forgot about that sort of shit. So I was like, started watching them. I'm like, all right, I have to do a show about this. <laughs> like, so much weird shit you don't think about. And that's the episode. And it's uh, coming up here in one, two, three, four, five episodes. Yep. 
season three. But uh, we're going to do a redux after this, right? One for the Angels, episode two of season one. Yes. Um, let's get out of here. Uh, watch this episode, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Watch it, then listen to our fine show. Indeed. A little too late to tell you that, but go back in time and sort your affairs. Do better at life. You should have known that before. Oh, yeah, we kind of spoiled <laughs> Can I hear that, uh, the seatbelt one one more time? I don't think we listened to this episode, this show yet. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, guys. Because they don't come in every car now. Seatbelts can reduce serious injury by one-third. Does your family have the security of seatbelts? Not having a seatbelt will also remove one-third of you. <laughs> Two-thirds. Fucking windshield. Yep, yep, yep. I love it. I love that commercial. <laughs> so do I. Reminds me of a good Chesterfield. I, I, yeah, like, like I was thinking about separating the Chesterfield ones and then, you know, certain tidbits here and there that, that I'm going to put on the soundboard over the next week. Definitely. I got a lot of good stuff. Yeah, get get just the Chesterfield ad. Like, where his preamble into the Chesterfield ad is great. I love how he just stops on a dime and is like, anyway, Chesterfield's like, he might as well just do that. It's so <laughs> yeah. non-sequitur. The, the, the whole seamless, you know, transition into a sponsor was not his strong suit. No. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I suppose I should get to an ad right about now. Uh, uh, Chesterfields, smoke them. Smoke them till you can't no more because you're dead of lung cancer. <laughs> smoke them out your throat hole. Yep. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, guys. Uh, until now, oh, LAWstudios.com, Loitering in Wonderland on YouTube, Loitering in Wonderland at gmail.com. Frank? LAW, the review. L-L and KZ on Twitter and Red Dragon Radio. I wish you guys could see this. It's amazing. Until next time, in the meantime, I'm Phoenix Westquire. I am Frank Clementine Links. Squeeze, squeeze. So long, citizens. <laughs>